Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Norse traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. A warning, this episode features some violent content. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. The following is a proverb from the Havamal, the ancient poem said to have been written by Odin himself. About his intelligence, no man should be boastful, rather cautious of mind. When a wise and silent man comes to a homestead, blame seldom befalls the wary, for no more dependable friend can a man ever get than a store of common sense. Odin is the god of wisdom, but this was not always the case. There was a time when he sat on his throne, absent his famous beard, both eyes still in his skull. For all his treasures, for all his family and friends, he knew something was missing. He yearned to know more. He yearned to know why. I will tell you the story of how Odin the king became Odin the wanderer. How this thirst for knowledge turned him from a god to a ragged old man. But be warned, these ancient secrets change all those who learn them. You too might find yourself transformed, and possibly not for the better. Ignorance can be bliss. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we're exploring Odin's quest for wisdom. Of all the Norse gods, he was known for his relentless pursuit of wisdom. There are 31 poems in the Poetic Edda, the medieval compilation from which most of Norse mythology is drawn. Within these stories, Odin appears in two different modes, either as a confident god-king or as a mischievous old man. He seems to undergo a transformation from a more traditional hero to a contemplative melancholy figure. Over the next two episodes, we'll weave these sometimes contradictory stories into a single narrative that shows why Odin's search for wisdom was so meaningful to ancient Europeans. Wisdom is a difficult thing to describe. At its most basic, we might say that it's common sense gained from experience, but it's more complicated than that. Hence the power of these stories. From Odin's travels, we can try and glean the true meaning of wisdom. But first, Odin does something very unwise. He argues with his wife. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Odin sent his ravens, Hugin and Munin, to fly about the branches of the world tree Yggdrasil and bring back what news they could. For someone who always sought to know more, this was a regular practice. As they flew back into his hall, he could tell by the tone of their squawks that what they had found was not good. The ravens only partially understood what they had seen. It was not an easy thing to fly among the branches of the life tree, moving from plane to plane through time and space. But one word in particular stuck on their beaks, foreboding. What could that mean? The ravens only shrugged their shoulders. Odin's handsome face was racked with anxiety, though he couldn't place it. His strong brow and golden locks framed eyes that longed to know more. It was then that his queen, Frigg, entered in her nightgown. Her long, blonde hair fell to the floor, mingling with her blue and gold robes, so that it was difficult to tell where her locks ended and the thread began. What troubles you, husband? A premonition. It is, it is hard to say why, but I believe there will come a time when all that is will no longer be. But we are gods. The Nine Realms may turn to ash, but we are immortal. Yes, but Freak, why? And is this really all? And what is all this anyway? Why was I compelled to build this palace, to offer it as the final resting place of the bravest mortals? Why are mortals even mortal? I made them and I don't get how they work. Oh, husband, I really fail to follow your logic when you get like this. They wouldn't be mortals if they weren't mortal now, would they? I suppose not. But, Freak, do you never want for anything? Do you ever think there must be more important things than reveling in Asgard? It was never my choice to revel in Asgard. I am a product of your conquests, a peace offering from my people, the Vanir, to your people, the Aesir. This place is not my home. I have only worked to try and make it thus. Perhaps revel was the wrong word, but you are so intent on your efforts here that you fail to see the larger world as I do, or at least as I wish to. What I want, husband, is to see our sons Baldur and Hermod continue to thrive, continue to live as the most beautiful beings in all creation. I must take my accomplishments where I can get them. Not all of us can say we slew a giant and made the universe from its corpse. Any pride I take in the creation of this world is wholly imagined on your part. Those actions are from another lifetime, as if from another god entirely. I do not know how or why I was able to accomplish them. That is the difference between me and the rest of you. I wish to answer these questions. You merely accept the world as is. It is because I have a heart. If you go questioning the natural order, you may very well destroy us all. Be grateful for what you have. In your pursuit of more, you may lose everything. Normally, I would agree. But one can never be too greedy when it comes to the pursuit of knowledge. In the morning, I will gather the gods. We will set out to consult the Norns. 
Frigg watched him exit toward their chambers. She feared what might come of this line of questioning, but she knew that there was nothing she could do to get in Odin's way. The following morning, the Aesir gathered on the road leading from Valhalla. Chief among them were Odin, Baldr, Hermod, and Thor. Odin's sons had not questioned him when he said they were going to consult the Norns. They did as their father told them. And besides, they couldn't pass up the opportunity for adventure, to have yet another great tale singing their praises. They passed through the kingdom of Asgard, over rolling hills dotted with green and gold. In the distance, mountains reached into the cosmos as a never-ending forest of green stretched out below. Running through it all were the streams Kormt and Ormt, rivers composed of equal parts water and cloud. They could take you anywhere in the universe if you had the strength to swim long enough. But Odin was above such things. Rather than wade in, he led his company to the bridge. Bifrost, the burning portal to the other realms. Heimdall, loyal guardian of Asgard, stood watch as always. His blue and green armor almost completely covered him, save for his burning golden eyes peering out from his helmet. He held a hand up, unafraid to question even his king. He would not let them pass. Odin was more amused than angered, though his sons tried to rush to his defense. He swatted them away. And why is it that we cannot pass, dear Heimdall? It was the sheer size of their traveling party. The bridge had never had to support so many at once. It could collapse, hurling them into the cosmos. Odin considered this. Heimdall knew exactly how Bifrost worked, what stresses it could and could not handle. It would be wise, he thought, to heed Heimdall's words. Very well. Thor? You and that damn hammer will stay behind. Together you weigh more than the next three gods combined. But Papa, it's not fair. I wanted to have an adventure. But Odin had spoken. He was not interested in arguing with his progeny. Satisfied, Heimdall motioned for them to pass, and the gods crossed the Bifrost and traveled to the well of Erd. The gods emerged on the other side and took in their surroundings. They were at the base of Yggdrasil, amidst its gnarled roots. The gods readied their weapons. They'd heard stories from Odin of the monsters that prowled these roots. Relax, young heroes. We have not emerged in the wilds, but rather, we are at the home of those we seek, the Norns. Behind him, Hermod and Baldr gossiped amongst one another. Hermod was the more timid of the two. He was spooked by this strange place. The ever-aloof Baldr, the most beautiful of the gods, wasn't as concerned. He trusted their father unconditionally. Their gossiping was suddenly interrupted by a growl and a splash from the direction of the river. A hulking figure rose from the water and charged toward them. Hermod yelped and jumped into the arms of Tyr, the god of war, but his fear was short-lived. 
As the figure came into focus, Hermod realized it was none other than Thor. Brothers, tis I, Thor, the god of thunder. Rather than shrink in the face of adversity, I swam the entire length of the corpse to join you here. Everyone just grimaced, tired of Thor's constant boastings. He relented and fell in with his brothers. These Norns are a strange lot, brothers. Some say there are three. Others say there are but one who takes the form of many. Even Father does not know if they are gods or something else entirely. But I know this. He fears them. All grew wary at the idea of beings more powerful than Odin himself. The band of gods continued their trek through the roots of Yggdrasil until they arrived at a clearing of sorts, a massive depression in the roots. The giant green tendrils wrapped around a central pool of water. It glowed green, even though there was no sunlight this far down in the world tree. As Odin approached, he thought he could see something at the bottom of the pool, a shadow like a fish. It grew and expanded. It split apart into three. These formless shapes seemed to lift from the pool, rising to fill his vision. However, he was transfixed and soon transported as the three shapes morphed into the Norns, the three ladies, and they pulled his consciousness onto the plane of chaos, the blackness from which all things began. His vision pulsed green and black and purple. Strange images faded in and out. Then he heard the voices. All Father, Terrifier, Lord of the Aesir, we know why you are here. You seek, though you are the found. You look for wisdom, though you are the wise. Three ladies. How can I be that which is opposite? Two things at once? He asked us a question, sister. He asks us a question, sister. He will ask us a question, sister. Uh, uh, I do seek wisdom, as you said. We know. And you shall have it. For one such as you must simply name a thing to breathe it into existence. It's really quite fetching. Don't you think, sisters? Oh, yes, sister. Pity about the whole one-eye thing. Oh, you don't like it, sister? I think it's quite handsome with the beard. What? But I have both my eyes. I don't understand. You will. <sighs> Ladies, please. Where must I begin? Surely there is more to this... this wisdom than to simply speak its name. There is more. And less. It is not something to be found in some old cave. No, you can't just go to Jotunheim or Vanaheim and beat on the inhabitants. Though it couldn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh? Where can it be found then? Wisdom finds you, Allfather. Then I should return home? Wait in Asgard? Oh no, God King. You must wander. 
He wished to ask more, but before he could, his vision blurred, and he found himself back at the side of the well of Erd, with the sisters nowhere in sight. The other gods all gathered around him, wanting to know what had caused him to stand in a trance for the last several minutes. I saw the Norns. They confirmed what I feared. There is something I do not know which I must learn. Aye, a quest. Point the way, father, and I shall slay thine enemies. What law says we must listen to the fates? Ignore them, husband. Stay at home with us. I would be a fool to resist fate, wife. And your hammer will not be needed, Thor. Where I am going, no weapon of Asgard will avail me. Next, Odin the King becomes Odin the Wanderer. Hi, it's Vanessa from Parcast. They say there's someone for everyone, a soul to share your secrets with, a companion to grow old with, a conspirator to commit crimes with. Starting this February on Spotify, learn about the lethal and legendary lovers who fought the law in the Parcast Limited series, Criminal Couples. If you've ever referred to your best friend or beloved as your partner in crime, this exclusive series is for you. Beginning February 1st, join me for a collection of unlawful love stories from shows across the Parcast network. Discover the extreme beliefs of cult leaders Tony and Susan Alamo, enter Fred and Rose West's real-life house of horrors, and experience the madness and motives of the San Francisco witch killers. Fall for the most famous and feared pairs in history in the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Enjoy two-part episodes every Monday starting February 1st. Follow Criminal Couples free and exclusively on Spotify. Now back to the story. Odin, the king of the gods, one of the oldest beings in the universe, lacked wisdom. And so he sought out the Norns, the ancient fates, asking them for guidance. But they had little to offer. If he wanted wisdom, it would have to find him. Something told him that it would be impossible for this to happen while he sat on his throne, surrounded by guards and loyal sons. And so he sent the caravan of gods back the way they had come. Once he was alone, he shrugged off his armor, dropped his spear Guggenir. He was naked. But then he thought even a wanderer should have some clothes. He summoned a ragged cloak to cover his body, a pointed hat to cover his head, and finally a gnarled cane to help him as he walked. A strange thing happened as he donned these garments. He felt a tickle around his chin, and suddenly his youthful hair and beard grew long and white. He had become a different creature, a new aspect of the same god. But rather than finding this alarming, he smiled. It was time to have an adventure. It's difficult to say how long or how far Odin the Wanderer traveled. He ascended through the roots, slowly making his way as he groped for handholds and footholds. He would sometimes slip, tumbling back down a ways, but this did not deter him. He merely dusted himself off, 
picked up his hat and cane, and continued on. Eventually, he came to a crossroads, a fork in the roots, if you will. One path led upward to Midgard, the land of men. He had breathed life into them all that time ago. Perhaps he would find wisdom among his own creations. The other path led down, through the ice and into Helheim, the realm of the dead. A realm of ice and home to massive creatures that occasionally ventured out to stalk the world tree. He knew they represented the greatest danger to him. The choice was obvious. He would ascend to Midgard. But of course, going up is always harder than going down. Even though he was a god, he soon found that his arms and legs ached from the effort of climbing. He eventually sat down on the edge of a root, looking out onto the ice and wind and blackness below. He pondered the eons since his birth, his brothers and the frost giant Ymir, the war with the Vanir. How had it all come about? What was the point? My father was Bor, and my mother was Besla. Their father was Buri, and he was licked from the primordial salt block by Aidenla, the cow. But now that I think of it, what is salt? For that matter, what's a cow? Or rather, why is a cow? But as he sat deep in thought, he failed to notice the growing clouds in the distance. They advanced quickly, swirling with wind and snow. The storm was upon him in an instant. He was a fool to have not realized the ice of hell could still reach this high. He wrapped his cloak around himself and held his hat to his head. He set about trying to climb once again, hoping to get clear of the storms and continue on his way to Midgard. But if it had been hard before, it was nearly impossible now. Snow fell heavy on the roots of Yggdrasil, sometimes coming in great avalanches. Odin was buried time and again. He came to realize that the way was barred to him. He would have to turn around and go back the way he came. He would have to take a different road into Helheim. Traveling back down was no casual stroll either, but it was easier. Soon the snow and wind subsided, and Odin the Wanderer found himself back at the fork in the roots. This time, he descended to Helheim. The green of the tree gave way to stone and darkness. Massive columns arose on either side, etched with the mournful faces of dead souls. Their stories played out in the etchings, the stories of mortal men and their misdeeds. All was silent until, finally, Odin the Wanderer heard the distant thumping of massive footsteps. He readied his cane, sure that his worst fear had come true. The creature he had least wanted to encounter had found him. But this was not the case. Instead, he looked up to see the massive form of Ratatosker, Old Drilltooth. 
The giant squirrel was but an annoyance, a trickster who beguiled the more upsetting of the world tree's inhabitants. Odin the Wanderer seemed to be beneath notice, and so he was free to watch as the creature slowly, methodically made its way through the Hall of the Dead. The god pressed on, unsure what he was even looking for. Would the dead have some wisdom to share? Perhaps losing one's life brought a certain perspective that he, as an immortal, never obtained. If nothing else, he hoped to pass through undisturbed and move on to more inhabited realms. But that was not to be. Though he had assumed he was beneath Ratatoskr's notice, that was not the case. The trickster noticed any opportunity to sow mischief. He had seen Odin the Wanderer, and he knew what he feared most. Odin looked behind him at the renewed sound of footsteps. He hoped against hope that it was just the squirrel coming back around, but he knew that the sound was slightly different this time, bigger darker. An angry roar sounded from the far end of the hall. An orange burst of flame signaled that Odin's fear had come to pass. Neithergur, the hateful striker, had come. For him, this creature represented the unknowable, the very thing he was chasing. He had created it, but how or why, he couldn't say. This was what he wanted, in a sense, but now that he was facing it, he faltered. Odin the Wanderer took off running down the other end of the hall, but in truth, he knew that he could not outrun the dragon that gnawed at the roots of the world tree. He jumped back as the massive dragon burst into view above him. It let loose a jet of flame, scorching the ground just in front of Odin. He leapt back, holding his hat to his head. His only choice now was to stand his ground. The dragon circled above, finally landing some distance before Odin. He took in its sinister countenance. Two wicked black horns sprouted above eyes of iciest blue. Steam rose from its jaws that were filled with the bloody remains of a hundred mortal bodies. Let me pass, monster! I am the king of the Aesir, the conqueror of the Vanir, slayer of Emir, and he who breathed life into this world. I am your creator! I command you! <laughs> this time, the dragon didn't even roar. Instead, a deep, throaty chuckle echoed from its mouth, echoing around the hall as if coming from all directions. A chill ran down Odin's spine. He understood the dragon, even though it had not spoken. Perhaps Odin was its creator, but Odin knew just as much about that as the dragon. His acts of creation were as alien and unknowable to him as they were to a tiny ant on Midgard, which was to say he held no power over this monster. Very well. I can do this. I am the king of the gods. The three ladies called me the Terrifier. 
Whatever that means. I can do this. My adventure will not be cut short. I will have wisdom. The two figures race to meet one another in battle. Odin dwarfed by the massive dragon. It hurled fire and fang at him. But Odin was unique among the men of Asgard. He knew magic, women's trickery. It protected him here. He used his staff to erect invisible barriers against the flames. He hurled back his own magic spells of ice and light, causing the dragon to rear back in pain. But it always regrouped coming at him again and again. He was weakening. So was his foe. He could see that he had left cuts in its brow and hide, which emanated licks of flame and blood. As the fight continued, Odin worked to move the fight further down the hall, through the vast space of Helheim, and closer and closer to the exit back out to the World Tree. They fought up massive staircases, through fields of the dead, through underground caverns, and finally onto an icy mountaintop that led out into the next realm. Where it would lead, Odin could hardly recall. He was exhausted. His hat was long gone, his cloak torn to shreds. Neithurger swooped in from above, dripping with fire and blood, letting out one last ragged roar as it barred the way. Odin rallied the last of his strength, conjuring the spear Guggenir. With a mighty bellow, he lifted it above his head and sent it flying. The spear found its mark, piercing the dragon through the heart. With one last pathetic moan, it stumbled back into the snow, dead. I knew I could do it. Don't know that I learned a lot per se, but dead dragon, better than... <sighs> Odin had spent the last of his own strength summoning the spear. He was no longer built for such combat. He fell back into the snow, his light fading. Next, we discover whether Odin has learned anything at all. Now, back to the story. Odin the Wanderer was adrift between time and space, caught in between realms on Yggdrasil, the World Tree. After slaying the dragon Neithurger, he fell exhausted into the snow. Nothing that happened on Yggdrasil, the World Tree, escaped the sight of the Norns. They had seen Odin slay the dragon. Fearing he would be lost to the blackness of primordial chaos, they scooped him up from the mountain, healing him in the waters of Erd. Are we already at that part, sister? We're always at that part, sister. We were at that part. But no, look, he still has two eyes. But how can that be, sister? It is not his time, sister. We must nudge him along, sister. Where? Who? The Norns! Sisters, is my quest over? Have I found wisdom? Well... 
If you had, you wouldn't need to ask the question then, would you? Have asked the question. We'll ask the question. Please, I, I've traveled so far. My strength is not what it once was. Wisdom is strength. Just not that strength. The muscly kind, she means. I'm... I'm never sure of what any of you mean. Ah, tis wisdom to admit when you don't understand. I would say he's well on his way. Will be on his way. Confronting his greatest fear was no small step. But there is more to do. Run along now, Terrifier. Wouldn't want to cut the adventure short. Wait! Please, I... Odin's vision filled with blinding white light as the image of the Norns faded. He was moving through the cosmos, though he felt like he was laying still. One moment he was on his back atop a mountain in hell, and the next he could feel soft grass at his hands and warm sunlight on his cheeks. He was in Midgard. His eyes shot open. Sitting up, he found that he was by a road beneath an oak tree. Next to him was his hat and cane, and his robes had been returned to their original condition, a gift from the Norns. He slowly stood, working out the aches and pains from his lengthy fight with the dragon. Then, once he was sure of himself, he set off down the road. Eventually, Odin the Wanderer arrived in a small town, though what it lacked in size, it made up for in traffic. All manner of mortals went to and fro, measuring, cutting, tossing, purchasing, and carting. There were many humans, but also dwarves and even a few giants. Odin frowned at this. He would need to get better about reinforcing the barriers between worlds. They were there for a reason. What that reason was, he wasn't sure, but the barriers had always been there. He decided to make his way to the local tavern, perhaps to learn more of what had been going on in the city. The sisters must have sent him here for a reason. He smiled to himself as he saw a sign hanging above the door to the establishment, Thor's Arrow, it said. He thought that his son would be happy to see that the mortals still thought of him. The setting inside was befitting its namesake. Dozens of large, hardened men raucously drank and sang, fought and played at sport. At the counter was the only woman. She was rather comely for a mortal and took note of Odin. She didn't seem bothered by her imposing clientele, serving them drinks and making sure that they paid. But her confidence could only get her so far this day. She grew serious with one patron, a massive brute in Viking armor. At three silver per ale, that's 24 silver pieces you owe me. Now, pay up. I'll have another first. You'll have another when you've paid for them, which you've already had. Run your mouth at me again like that woman and I'll run you through. I'd like to see you try, Jeff the Barbarian. The man seemed to take great offense at this moniker. He leapt forward, grabbing her around the neck. Odin's heart stirred for this maiden, and it hardened against these brutes who so reminded him of his thoughtless son. He was not yet back at his full strength, 
They were but mortals, but even so, Odin was not sure that he would prevail in a fight. The whole point of this adventure was to understand the power of wisdom, and so he decided to use his brain rather than his brawn. He smiled to himself. A plan was beginning to form in his head. He conjured a small whetstone in his pocket. Gentlemen, I see you are an imposing and fearsome lot. What if I offered you the opportunity to become even more so? All eyes immediately turned to him. They were full of hatred and suspicion. Only the woman showed the slightest bit of concern. You'd best move on, old man. This lot doesn't take kindly to traveling salesmen. Oh, but I am no salesman. I offer my boon at no charge. He pulled the stone from his pocket. The simple brutes were immediately taken in by its glittering beauty. I offer to sharpen your blades with my whetstone. It's enchanted, you see. It will make your sword sharper than any other in Midgard. The brutes were not skeptical of his claim. They could see that there was something special about this stone. They pushed and shoved as they rushed forward, eager to try out Odin's magical object. The biggest one, releasing the barmaid, easily manhandled his way to the front. Odin took their blades one by one, sharpening them against the stone. The men marveled at the sheen that it gave their blades. Then they began to try them out. They brought their swords down with a crash on the poor innkeeper's tables. The swords cut through the hard wood like butter. Soon they were all demanding to own the stone. Oh, no, no, no. I couldn't possibly part with this. My greatest treasure. You'll part with it, old man. Or you'll part with your head. I'm sorry. I didn't get your name. Name's not important. It's Jeff. Jeff? Hmm. Well, that's what I get for not naming all of you myself. What was that, old man? Nothing, nothing. But as I said, sir, the stone is not for sale. I didn't say sell me. I said give me. Now. Odin pretended to be afraid as Jeff the Barbarian held his axe to the god's throat. Very well, then. If that's your best offer. He tossed the whetstone into the air. Whoever grabs it first may have it. Immediately, the men all rushed forward, crashing into each other and not sheathing their extremely sharp blades. Within seconds, each had accidentally stabbed the other. It was a tangle of flesh and metal, with swords sticking out of men every which way. Some were stabbed once, others as many as five times. Some swords had skewered three men. After it was all over, the men lay dead in a heap on the floor. Jeff in particular had met a gruesome fate. A blade had entered the back of his skull and was now sticking out from between his eyes. Only the barwoman was left standing, taking in the grisly scene with awe. 
I'm sorry for the gruesome display, madam. But they should have known that it is wise to accept the gift you have been given, rather than to ask for more. She was still quite startled, but then, much to Odin's surprise, she got a mischievous look on her face. Oh, my boss is going to want to have a word with you. The woman closed the tavern and led Odin the Wanderer across town. Pretty handy work back there for some old wanderer. Wisdom would dictate not to judge someone on appearances alone. I am actually quite powerful. Quite lucky is more like. A wise man wouldn't have walked in there in the first place. If I am merely lucky, then what use am I to your employer? Yeah, well, where he's planning on going, we're going to need a little luck. And who is this mysterious employer? Who are you, for that matter? I'm Tira, a humble barkeep as far as this mangy rabble is concerned. But in truth, I work for Baugi, Giant, and True Power in these parts. We keep the tavern up just to keep the coin flowing and to give me a chance to listen in on a few key conversations. Hmm. How enterprising. However, a fierce maiden such as you should not keep company with giants. No good comes of their kind. You're telling me. They eventually made their way to a large mansion toward the back of the city. It was surrounded by the woods and loomed large and imposing over the street. Its proportions were clearly meant to suit that of a giant. Tira led Odin through the massive front doors, which were opened and shut by guards. Odin noted that he was now rather trapped and wondered if he had made a mistake. He had read stories of gods being trapped for decades by mortal magic. But all there was to do now was to follow Tira and hope for the best. She led him down a few large, opulent halls before they arrived at another set of doors. Once again, a pair of guards saw them through, and this time, Odin came face to face with the owner of the mansion. Baugi's face was craggy and gray, his eyes bright blue. He stood twice as tall as anyone else in the room. Surprisingly, he was not robed in the furs that Odin knew most giants preferred. Rather, he had custom-made robes of silk. He seemed like he was playing dress-up. Odin had slain quite a few giants in his time. He hoped this one wouldn't recognize him. Baugi! May I present? Uh, uh, what was your name? I am simply the Wanderer. Well, the Wanderer, let's hope you have what it takes. Well, I suppose that would depend. Have what it takes to do what? We're recruiting bodies to help me steal the blood of a god. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. 
See you next week for the conclusion of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Mythology was written by Greg Castro, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Eddie Lee, and Dan Velazquez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, it's Vanessa again. Before you go, don't forget to check out the new ParCast limited series, Criminal Couples. From apocalyptic cult leaders to bank-robbing bandits to married mafiosos, these couples give new meaning to Till Death Do Us Part. Enjoy two-part episodes every Monday starting February 1st. Follow Criminal Couples free and exclusively on Spotify.